looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I'm one crazy nerf. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Hey, it's Steve Off. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio, and that's the bottom line.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for this introduction, I want to let our friend of the show, longtime photographer, Dr. Mike Glano, do the formal introduction since he got this guest. Many people have heard the name, but now you're going to hear his voice. So, Dr. Mike, go ahead. And he's got a terrific new book out. I mean, this book, uh, if you look at who, who wrote about it, who's uh, reviewed it, who's commented on it, from Mick Foley to Becky Lynch, Ken Jong, famous comedian who loves the biz. Uh, I mean, Kurt Angle, everybody's in here. I love the, the Mrs. Pope, not nearly enough Ms. There's just one problem. True tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in WWE, Brian Gewertz, who's with them 16 years, which I think is could be a, a record as creative person uh, with Vince. But this the book is incredible and how you survived and all of the stories there. I mean, just reading about you falling asleep, transing writers uh, from town to town was uh, incredible. Was this book, well, tell us how the book came about. I mean, it's a memoir, but was it for the boys? The fans obviously will love it. I think any sports junkie will love it too. And you are an NCAA and an NBA, uh, I would say, expert uh, fan historian too. Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. Um, I'm glad you liked it. And yeah, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm a big, big sports fan. Uh, baseball, basketball, football, college sports. I went to Syracuse. Um, I watched, and there's a picture in the book, um, perhaps like one of my favorite days of all time in the WWE, because we used to have post-production meetings. So after the show was over, we'd all congregate in the production meeting room or Vince's office and go through the show with a fine tooth comb. And one day in 2003, uh, I said, Vince, I, my team Syracuse is in position to win their national championship for the first time ever. And the game is happening right now. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take the heat. I'll take the consequences. I have to watch this. And I didn't know what he was going to say, but he was like, well, hell, pal, put it on in my office. Let's watch it together. <laughs> so we put it on. And uh, yeah, there, there's a, you know, for some reason, someone took a picture uh, and there's a picture of me celebrating, uh, you know, Carmelo leading our team to a championship. So that was great. And, and yeah, in this book, you know, it's something I've always thought about. I've always wanted to you know, be able to take the experience that I had at WWE and translate it into something. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be, oh, maybe one day we make a TV show about it. Or, or maybe one day, you know, um, just like, you know, tell stories via social media or whatever. But it really, you know, especially with the rise of podcasts and everything and hearing, you know, my colleague Bruce Pritchard from WWE run a successful podcast. Um, I thought, you know what, like that, that medium works great for Bruce. He loves telling stories he's a very verbal um person uh i'm always much more comfortable putting together you know <laughs> long emails and you know uh putting thoughts down on paper than i am talking so it just seemed and especially when it all came together in uh you know when i first started to do this which was right around the pandemic time in, in march april 2020 um like there's a lot of there's a lot of time now to sit back and reflect um and, and reflect on something positive other than what's happening in the world so that's kind of what kicked it all off and of course we're talking to brian gwertz the author of there's just one problem brand new i don't I'm, it's hit the bookshelves right in the last two two weeks i it think is, uh is officially out tuesday august 16th okay so tomorrow yeah. as it is recording 
Yes. Yeah. So it's very exciting. True. And the add in is true tales from the former one time seventh most powerful person in WWE. I, I would say you might be, many of us would consider you even higher, you know, for those who only heard of you and, and followed your career through the observer, something like that. This is the real deal right here in the book. Uh, John, let me throw to you on this. I mean, everything is in here and you were there for the attitude era, all of the stuff we're seeing right now, you know, last night on A&E, you know, the documentaries. Yeah, I was, you know, July of 99 is when I first encountered like The Rock and Triple H and Mick Foley when I was working at MTV and we were doing a bunch of SummerSlam specials. And that's kind of where, you know, they took note of me and and Dwayne, a.k.a. The Rock, recommended me uh, to the WWE officials who were there. And I interviewed with them all that month. Uh, I didn't take the job immediately. Uh, but as you guys know, being, you know, big wrestling fans, there kind of was a gigantic opening when, um, you know, the other writers at the time, Russo and Ferrara left to go to WCW and they literally had nobody. So that's when I hopped in and, uh, you know, made the choice to set, decided to come down back to the East coast because I'm an East coast guy, but I was living in LA at the time. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Started November of 99. Jonathan, let me throw over to you. Well, I'm curious to know, and thank you for the time, Brian. I want to go a little more current time. And mm-hmm. obviously, you mentioned that you first connected with guys over at MTV, specifically Dwayne. And could you imagine all these years later that you had your incredible run with the WWE as a writer, and now you are working hand-in-hand with Dwayne at Seven Bucks Productions? But I'm curious to know as well, because it's a whole different sphere of things of what you're doing. So what kind of role do you actually have at seven bucks? Are you writing full time? What's the scope of what you do? So I do a lot of everything. Um, you know, I'm SVP of development, which means, you know, seven bucks has a film side and a television side and a social media side and a PR side and everything else. So I'm on the television and not that don't, you know, uh, read the movie scripts as well and give feedback. But, you know, our job on the television side is to develop television shows, uh, sell them and produce them, whether it be scripted shows like Young Rock, um, non-scripted docuseries like Behind the Attraction that we have on Disney Plus. You know, that came about. And that's part of my job, too, is like Dwayne, um, you know, he, he does all the social media himself and, and it comes from the heart, as you guys know. You know, he one day posted um his appreciation for the show the toys that made us on netflix and i'm a big fan of that show too so i texted him saying oh i love that show why don't i go when i'm in la why don't i go meet with the creator of that show brian volk weiss which i did and we got together we hit it off and ultimately you know we ended up pitching the you know what if we did essentially a version um formula wise that of the toys that made us but with all the top Disney attractions, because at the time, Dwayne was coming out with Jungle Cruise and it seemed to make a lot of sense. You know, we could launch the show with the Jungle Cruise episode. Dwayne can speak on it. Um, but that's yeah. I mean, even similarly with our show Tales from the Territories, which is coming out in uh, October on Vice. You know, that's a show that that, you know, prompted. I was a big fan of Dark Side of the Ring. So was Dwayne. He would post about it even though it wasn't, you know, affiliated with his company in any way. He just did it because he's a fan. Um, And obviously the territories go back to his dad and his grandmother and his grandfather and his mom. So, 
I was like, yeah, let me take a meeting with uh, Evan and Jason, the creators of that show, see what we could put our heads together with and see if we can come up with a show of our own, which, you know, we, we've always kind of been having a territories type show in mind. Um, and we wanted to take, you know, cool elements of dark side, but we didn't want to focus on the dark. We wanted to focus on the crazy and the, you know, larger than life aspect of the territory wrestlers and the stories behind it. And, you know, obviously, as you guys know, everyone who consumed wrestling back then had a different POV and perspective. It was a lot realer. It was a lot, you know, you didn't see wrestlers posting on social media, which didn't exist that kind of like let the guard down and you could see who they are in real life. All you knew was those characters. So we really wanted to capture that spirit um, and we pitched it to Vice and they were all on board. And now uh, we have that show coming out. But I do still, I also do. Um, and by the way, this is now the, uh, this, this podcast consistently, um, anytime I do one, the New York City sirens of uh, either the police or fire always interrupted at some point. So hopefully there it is. I don't know if you could hear it or not. Mm -hmm. But uh, hopefully that ambiance, you know, <laughs> gives a little uh, New York character to it. But yeah, I mean, I get to do writing too, which is a lot of fun. You know, like when Dwayne uh, did a promo, cut a rock-like promo at the Super Bowl. I got to work on that when yeah. he uh, introduced the um, the Chiefs and the uh, 49ers before the Super Bowl a few years ago. It was a huge, cool thing uh, that I got to work on with him. You know, whenever there's something like unique like that, uh, it always, you know, we just revert back to our WWE days and are sitting down either, you know, in person or via email and just shooting emails back and forth uh, until we nail it. Well, I want to ask one more thing and I'll pass it back to Dr. Mike. Speaking of that, going back to your WWE days, and can you talk a little bit about the evolution from when you started to when you left as far as the evolution of say the writing process because sometimes people roll their eyes when you say writers with wwe and such because and you had a unique perspective and it didn't happen with everybody but with Dwayne, with kurt angle edging christian there were certain guys that you were really great at finding their voice as far as when you were throwing stuff out there for storylines or whatever the case may be so can you talk about the evolution but also finding certain guys' voice what during your time there? Yeah, sure. I mean, it definitely evolved. Um, and some would say for better. Uh, some people would say for worse as far as, you know, how much involvement the writers have behind the scenes at WWE. When I started, it was myself and a writer named Tommy Blacha, who himself had just started. Uh, he had come over from Conan. And, you know, Tommy is a really, really funny guy. And very personable and, and extroverted but he told me right from the get-go that like this was going to be a pit stop for him you know he was going to probably work till wrestlemania 2000 and then go back to hollywood um and, and and he was very forthright with it to wwe as well so they wanted to hire more writers and bring them in um you know at the time wwe went from two two-hour raws back to back a live one and then a taped one the next day and then essentially you know, 12 days of, uh, you know, to be able to prepare for the next shows in between, uh, albeit with a pay-per-view sometimes thrown in, to doubling that amount of content with SmackDown. So you had Raw on the air for two hours on Mondays, SmackDown on the air for two hours on Thursday or Friday, and it was shot on Tuesday, uh, not to mention the pay-per-view. So that necessitated 
you know, more people to come in, um, especially with Vince wanting, you know, when the company went public uh, and it became a publicly traded company, you know, Vince and the WWE in general had a lot more, um, you know, eyes on them as far as sponsors and Wall Street and everything else. And so Vince, you know, wanted to have a little bit tighter grip and stronger, you know, knowledge of what was going to be said on his television show. So that kind of prompted the necessity for more writers because he, you know, he's a, of course, he's an old school guy and, and, and knows more than anybody. But at the same time, there's some wrestlers that he trusted, some that he didn't, some that had incredible careers, but you still never knew what they were going to say live on the air. And, you know, when, with Vince again, having to, you know, be beholden to stockholders and wanting to get, you know, higher level of um, sponsors and advertisers as well. He wanted, you know, it to be run more like a regular television show, if you want to call it that, and, and less like an old school wrestling show. So in some respects, that's the antithesis of everything anyone knows about wrestlers, which is get yourself over, practice your promos on the road, develop your own persona, and no one's going to know your character better than you are. And all that's true. Um, but with the inclusion of writers and, and, and expanded, um, you know, didn't it go to like two to 30 overnight? You know, it's it, it was like maybe four or five after my first year and a half there. And then we split the writing teams in 2002 and you would have, you know, let's say four writers and a writer's assistant on each team. And then, you know, there would be more. Um, and then, Ultimately, I don't think they do this anymore. We'd expand to a home writing team and a road writing team. So you'd have a bunch of people working on the shows, um, you know, in Stanford at the offices and a bunch of people, different people on the road working on the television shows as they were happening. So uh, and again, I don't think because Smackdown now is live every Friday, I don't think they do that anymore. I think it's just one giant team, although. I do think the Raw writers go to Raw, the SmackDown writers go to SmackDown, and they all go come together at the pay-per-views. Um, but yeah, it's just like the amount plus the, you know, needing to uh, kind of have a little tighter grip on what is being said, um, you know, I think kind of led to more writers being hired. And, you know, that also kind of creates, to go back to, to your second question, um, you know, this fine line between... Vince's time on the road and having X amount of time after the production meeting to get the show on the air and having to answer, you know, from Vince's perspective and now Paul's perspective, Paul Levesque, a ton of questions from producers who are putting the matches together to talent themselves to production people uh, and then whatever else is going on. Plus the writers, um, you know, you have a limited amount of time to get promos, quote unquote, approved. Um, I don't know if they do it now, but back then, you know, towards towards the latter years, um, everything needed to be signed off on and approved. Um, and on the one hand, you have an approved promo from Vince that you could potentially hand a wrestler that's saying, hey, this is this is approved. You're good to go. Um, good luck to you. But I never really, you know, felt comfortable, even if it's approved by Vince, handing a wrestler a piece of paper and saying, good luck with it. I'll be a gorilla position behind the curtain if you need me. Because as you guys know, you know, you you really, to all the successful performers over the years have the part of themselves in their character, in their promos, 
um, it's really, really important to get wrestlers um, voices to be to be had. That's how that's really, in my opinion, the only way you find your voice is to contribute to it yourself. So I always liked being a writer there to to, you know, be a spring, a soundboard uh, in some cases with some wrestlers who are either extremely busy or who I developed some trust with um, to be able to take the lead on their promos and then hand it to them. Uh, and then get their input and then make adjustments to it based on their input, even if it meant like a longer process and having to go back waiting online to show it to Vince to get it approved. Um, and and some wrestlers, you know, wanted to, you know, create more on their own and that necessitated, you know, more time. So and sometimes it's time you didn't have. So it was a fine line to be able to do all that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, I, I've always felt the collaboration uh, between wrestler and writer is a much, much better process than simple, simply writer handing wrestler promo and having wrestler memorize it because it never really comes off as truly authentic when that happens. And the, the wrestler has to believe it and emote that, that they're, they're believing it, they're buying what they're saying, whether it's written or not. I mean, Austin, for example, everybody bought what he was saying on up to when he was still on the roster or the main roster, Samoa Joe people commented, you know, he really, people felt like, you know, almost sounds like he was being extemporaneous when he wasn't, but he believed in what he was saying and he made the people believe. Okay. Of course, everybody we're talking, now I'm holding it up. Hopefully you can see it. There's just one problem by this guy is just a complete fountain of knowledge, a learning tree, uh, Brian Gewertz. And uh, he's doing so many other things. It's incredible. Obviously young rock and the, uh, the territories docu with vice which is unique because they were often truly that dark and i felt like the a and e the angle and lex luger they were almost like wwe's version of dark side it felt because they were focusing on that so it's going to be refreshing to have positive there was so much fun stuff i can't even tell you that i saw in the territories whether it was memphis or 80 gram florida or say, for example, I don't know if, how aware you are, the IWA, the guy that owned, co-owned the Chicago White Sox was my boss, Eddie Einhorn. And he battled Vince Sr. from 75 to 77. He took on Sam Munchie, the NWA, and Vince Sr., you know, with TV that he purchased nationally around the country in every market, major market, had those three outdoor Roosevelt Stadium shows in Jersey. And I was at each and every one of them with after Napolitano. Uh, the first one was uh, the night that Brian Koloff complained about pays in the main event in pouring rain with Neil Moskris. And that was his last match. He gave notice, went right back to Vince Sr. Ten years later, Eddie Einhard would front Pro Wrestling USA trying to bring Crockett, NWA, and Ganya AWA together. You know, you might have gone to those shows. And, uh, you know, so he was taking on a new, the third installment of the McMahon family and Vince uh, McMahon Jr., which was, you know, it didn't go anywhere because the promoters had egos and couldn't get along. But territory-wise, I also shot uh, in uh, in Honolulu before Ada took over. And uh, that was Ed Francis, former wrestler. Russ Francis, you know, he had sired kids that were all, they were football players, but yeah. uh, Russ in particular, I think the other one was in wrestling as well. Russ was in, of course, WrestleMania too, in that footballer oh. battle royal. Wow. But Ed Francis, those cards are spectacular. And that is where Peter Mavia came up and Don Morocco came up. That was it before they then went to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, of course, Peter Mavia had all that history on the West Coast in L.A. And uh, just amazing to you know to see young stuff and to see them paired there and then what they would do in the U.S. 
on your book on the back cover, now it's pretty easy to figure out who's who. Obviously, Michael Hayes right off the bat on the cover. Uh-huh. But on the back, it, when I finally saw the mic, the uh, Gene Rayburn uh, match game mic, I go, that's uh, uh, match game. That's uh, uh, what's his face? It was funny that he's on there, though, that game show host, uh, Bob Barker. Yeah. Isn't that him right next That's to Jericho? Bob Parker and Jericho from, yeah, the infamous guest host era. Yeah, where we had Trump and pretty much almost everybody in pop culture. Is that Trish in the center with the pom-poms or who is that in the middle? So it's interesting. In the middle on the back illustration is the one person who doesn't exist. So that uh, is a XFL cheerleader. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. that like. So, but are you going to be involved now with Dwayne and Danny's... Uh, we can't wait till it starts the third installment and hopefully the final long running XFL. Will you be involved? You've got to be involved. In that. Oh yeah. I'll be involved in some. Sure. Capacity. It's funny sure. because, you know, after 2001, I was like, Oh, thank goodness. I'll never, I'll never be involved with the XFL again. And then, <laughs> you know, we got this uh, company wide alert saying uh, we've got the XFL, but this is, you know, obviously not the XFL of 2001. This is a much different XFL. And, you know, you've seen the social post, you've seen everything else oh, yeah. going on with it. This is an XFL I'm actually very excited about and excited to be working on as a football Wait, wait, no, uh, no Opie and Anthony doing a commentary for the Jersey team? Yeah, probably not. I don't think there is a Jersey team <laughs> in this uh, season. No, this is, this seems like it's the most serious and obviously with Dwayne at the helm, it, you know, there, there's no way it's not going to work. Um, the book is incredible and... Your stories, obviously, who's got a voice like that, uh, you know, to and, and the time that you spent, like, it's pretty heartwarming uh, at the very end. And I won't give it away because we want people to buy. There's just one problem by Brian Gortz uh, saying goodbye to Vince, you know, in the room with Vince, Stephanie and Triple H, Hunter, Paul. And now it being the era of Paul. Do you wish you were there at all? Because you were talking about this earlier and it you know, a lot of people are grousing and they want immediate change, but change, as you said, it has to be gradual or you're going to alienate your audience. Uh, like the, uh, the, maybe the casual fans or the long-termers, uh, you, you can't completely change, you know, stuff that's sort of been set in stone or, uh, you know, the guy with the, uh, the briefcase, uh, you know, Austin or Austin, well, theory is what he, you know, I would hope people get some of their first names back. I don't know <laughs> what was going on with that. Or if you noticed that, like it started, I think, with uh, Rusev and then uh, uh, Claudio Cesaro, you know, one by one, these guys started losing their names. Uh, Andrade, losing either their first, their last name. A, a friend of mine who I watched grow up in the Bay Area and trained Shotzi Blackheart, now on the main roster. She's just simply Shotzi. And she took her last name. She was a big mark for Joan Jett and the Blackheart. So that's where that came from if you're I'm sure you're watching product there how do you let me ask how you now that you're watching and you're able to have fun as you wrote about in the book when you go to shows and you can just eat popcorn and be like a normal human being instead of you know probably consumed mentally with it but uh, how do you budget your time to watch all of the stuff there's three hours Monday there I don't know if you're watching uh, A&E after Smackdown on Fridays, there's NXT, which, you know, you're seeing all of the black and gold, Paul Levesque, uh, great, great talent that people thought they'd lost for good. You know, now we can't wait till hopefully Johnny Gargano comes back. Another guy that Paul was high on. It's amazing to watch 
that you know he's retaining and not having it so drastically changed but you're seeing all these great elements of hope all these people carrying cross and his wife come back and and the dexter loomis thing you know last monday which was done so subtly but uh, you know it i it, you you talk about the territories and it can never be re duplicated can't come back i'm a territories guy died in the wall that was my period 60s on and but it, it feels like that somewhat now because you you know you couldn't just say oh i want to watch a jerry jarrett or an eddie graham or uh munchnik i shot a ton at keel auditorium for munchnik and then later Mattisick and pat o'connor going at it uh when sam retired but you couldn't just order up and watch the stuff like you can now you can watch anything whether it's billy corgan's nwa or uh, new japan world or uh GCW, whatever you want, you couldn't do that. You had to be like me, either hitch a ride or get trans by the magazines to all these territories to see all this stuff. So do you, are you excited about the biz now or, well, what do yeah. you think what's going on? I mean, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate of people having first and last names. I think that's a good thing, um, especially when their last name also doubles as a regular word. So I always found it very weird that theory is now just theory because well, there was test yeah there was yeah. test there's edge but uh, at least it wasn't like you know test martin or something using his real life last name it was always test right. you know it's always edge it wasn't like he's austin theory one day and then you know now he's theory um but you know the thing about paul as you know is he knows those nxt characters inside and out and i mean no pun intended he truly is a student of the game it's not right. like you know, like Vince is out of power and all of a sudden they're taking the showrunner of young Sheldon and plopping him in to run WWE now. Uh, I don't know who that showrunner is. He might be a big fan, but nobody is a bigger fan and has more passion uh, than Paul Levesque. So you have that advantage of like, this is someone who everyone respects and everyone, uh, you know, admires and knows the product inside it out. He's been there you know, since he was bowing as Hunter Hearst, Hunter Hearst Helmsley since 1995 or whatever it was. And even before that, he, you know, training with Killer Kowalski and, and just reading every after magazine in the world. You know, he is a diehard fan and he's also savvy to the business uh, in terms of presenting the television show. So, yeah, I think it's I think the, sh the product is in very good hands. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Like you said, I don't think it's going to be necessarily transformation overnight well it can't be you know you just you can't do that on a variety of levels and you don't want to upset sponsors and and shareholders and all of that as you mentioned too yeah but you could see changes you could see uh you know in terms of the presentation and you know as far as you know i'm concerned like i i'm like a lot of people right now a lot of it uh including aew and everything else i follow via social media i don't necessarily always have time especially you know, shooting the first two seasons of Young Rock, we were in Australia. So the time difference, you know, I, even if we got USA and Fox, uh, you know, there, I wouldn't be able to watch it anyway because we were either beyond set or asleep or whenever, you know, it was. Um, so, yeah, I'd like scroll through the Twitter feed and YouTube and that type of thing. Uh, and I do the same now. I mean, I try to, you know, if I'm home Monday night, tonight, you know, Mets are facing the Braves. It's going to be a pretty big series. So, you know, but I have, you know, unlike a decade ago or whatever, I have an iPad with the Spectrum mobile app, you know, so I could put either the game on television and the raw on my iPad or vice versa, watch two things at once. 
Um, and if I miss it or I have to, you know, leave the house or something, I could scroll through, you know, I, I follow tons of wrestlers and wrestling sites online. So there's, there's never really, uh, there's never really, um, no venue or no path to at least see what's going on and what's happening. So that's always cool as a fan, even if you don't have time to sit down and watch the show. Yeah. I don't think you have any wrestling downtime probably, even though it's been, what was it been six years since you left? Seven. Yeah. Seven. When, one thing, when I had to introduce uh, Paul at a book signing, I think it was his, he had like an exercise book. It's like, I don't know, 18 years oh, yeah. ago, something like that at a borders in San Francisco uh, now I'm in Los Angeles, you know, returned back after 40 years, showing him pictures to make points with him. All you have to do is show pictures of killer Walt Kowalski in his prime. And he'd never even heard that Walter in an angle broke Fred Blassie's leg 19 March of 1972 in my home base, Los Angeles territory. So Fred could go make a, you know, a Baba tour uh, for all Japan uh, that came up out of the blue. And then Bruno Sammartino, uh, replaced, you know, face Kowalski, and, and 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 they listed him that the Fred had called up his best friend Bruno Sammartino to come avenge his broken leg at the hands of Keller Kowalski. So Paul Levent went nuts. Uh, Jonathan, you're giving us the high sign. We've got to let him go. Well, I wanted to get one more question in before we uh, do the high sign here. That's why I was trying to get your attention beforehand, Mike, because <laughs> in case you didn't notice, Mike can talk. Sorry, a little ribbon on the square. And it comes it comes with a biz, I think. Sadly. Exactly. So uh, I'm curious to know, since Brian mentioned social media and such, and I don't think I'll get an answer, but it's worth asking because of stuff I've read on social media. And the show is not all about him, but rumors been going around that your boss, Dwayne, is taking the first quarter off of next year so he can train and possibly be a part of WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. Do you know anything on this? And Allegedly. Yes. That's that's why we'll go from someone who's close yeah. by. Well, they, they, they had that hint, the scene with young Dewey, you know, little Dewey. <laughs> uh, there you go. With uh, Or it was, it was uh, a young Roman Reigns. With Dewey. Joe. Yeah, yeah, hugging Dewey. They dropped that little hint, you know, maybe just to get people talking. Certainly social media went crazy when that happened. Yeah, well, I threw that line out. So <laughs> definitely, you know, create a, uh, a bit of a buzz. But I will say this, you know, I don't know, you know, what's going on as far as mania. I do know this. I do know he's not taking, you know, and I saw those reports. It's like, oh, he's freeing his schedule. Like, He's launching a professional football league in February of 2023. So it's not like he's going to be, you know, sitting back and just like, you know, watching uh, Jungle Cruise on DVD for, you know, three months or what have you. Like he's always got stuff going on. It's just that he might not be shooting or promoting a film during that time. But as always, he's working his ass off. And I could tell you firsthand, uh, launching a football league is uh, it requires not a easy. Of, yeah. So him and Danny are going to be, uh, you know, really deep into that as far as uh, XFL. I mean, you only got really well, maybe in the XFL, you get multiple chances to launch a football league. But the Dwayne and Danny version of XFL, which, as you guys pointed out, is, is you know, the one that we plan on lasting, you know, forever. Um, that only has one chance to uh, be properly launched. And that's happening in uh, February 2023. 
PR, let me just say this very quickly. Nobody works their ass off harder than Dwayne. Whenever any film comes out, he is on every late night show, the morning shows, Ellen, uh, Kelly, Clarkson. You know what I'm talking about. Nobody does it. Not even Cena. Cena comes kind of close, but nobody is on every single show, which must be exhausting. You know, you for know, him, wrestling work ethic, you know, it, yeah. it, you know, when you're on the road, uh, you know, however, 200 days a year, whatever it is, driving hundreds of miles between towns late at night, you know, you're lucky if like there's a Waffle House open or something like that. All of a sudden, you know, doing, uh, you know, promotion for a film while it is a ton of work, um, it's kind of like, oh, I'm not like going to be in a in a car driving, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, in, in, on icy roads in somewhere like that, that seems easy in comparison. So I think a lot of that is, you know, instilled just from all the work that him and his dad and his mom and his grandparents, you know, have, have done for generations. I do want to wrap here by saying that Brian's book is going to be available Amazon, Barnes and Noble, indie stores, all as of, 816, which is tomorrow as it is taping. Dr. Mike, do you have anything to wrap with? No, I want to tell everybody. I mean, the holidays aren't that far away. So I would buy this now for yourself, get more copies because everybody, even casual fans, even maybe non-wrestling fans are going to love this right off the... I mean, it's, it's very relatable. The book is called There's Just One Problem. True Tales from the Former One Time, Seventh Most Powerful Person in WWE. Brian Gewirtz, that's spelled G-E-W-I-R-T-Z. You read The Observer, you already know who he is, but you really don't. So you got to buy the book. Uh, Wonderful illustrations, too, which nobody's really done. And it's usually photos. I was kind of upset that I maybe hadn't been able to rush you some photos for it. But the illustration, who's the artist that did all these? It's great. Um, You know, I I don't have the name of the artist off the top of my head, but, but he's incredible. I've emailed with him. Uh, I should know it. That's a good thing now to know going forward. But I did an incredible job. And I love Dwayne's shirt. You have to look closely. Boots to asses on there from the guy with more catchphrases, more creative catchphrases. I mean, SmackDown, that's his TV show, came up with that. And you're going to hear and read and enjoy all of this. I mean, just the stuff on Michael Hayes alone is enough (laughs) to buy the book. And, And obviously Vince, Steph, Shane, all of it. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it and had a lot of fun. This brand is truly exciting and I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. 
any questions please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent you Hey, this is April Hunter and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Woo-hoo!